A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Lorehounds One Shots, where the Lorehounds, your guides to making every second count. I'm John. And I'm David, and this is our coverage of the FX original series on Hulu, The Bear, Season 2. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the second season in full, breaking it down by major plotline. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the rest of July. It's going to be busy, so every second does count (laughs) this month. It sure does. Quick housekeeping for early access to ad-free episodes and exclusive content. We've got more cooking on that end. Visit patreon.com slash the lorehounds. We are on our way to 100 subscribers. We're hoping by our one-year anniversary. We are in the middle of a membership drive where you'll get a cool little nifty sticker with our old Second Age logo of the Lorehounds and some Elvish text underneath if you are signed up to our Patreon by the end of July. So definitely head to patreon.com slash the Lorehounds if you want that. Also, if you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up outside of Patreon, leave us a Michelin star or two by reviewing and or rating us on Apple Podcasts. These uh, Lorehound one-shot podcasts are standalone episodes, so we're not going to be able to respond to your feedback about this on air, but feel free to write in and share your thoughts with us. Send emails to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or head to our website and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message on our Discord server and we can include those as well. Link to those in the show notes. David, we've been through another season of The Bear. You were a fan. I think you ranked this as your number two last year, I want to say. Did I our, remember? Uh, I have to go look at my list. It was very high. Okay. Very high for season one in your end of year rankings. Did season two live up to your expectations? Uh, John, I can say without a doubt right now, season two is uh, my favorite show of 2023 by a long shot. Wow. Um, nothing is is close. Things There's other great things, really good things. But this is exceptional, uh, head and shoulders above um, Interesting. all the rest of the shows that we have watched so far this year. It is, I, I'm just, I'm going to be a little vociferous here. It's the best fucking thing I've ever watched in my life. That's Ooh. the way I feel about it right now. Um, pardon my French, but I just, you know. Listen, the, if, you're, if you're watching the show and getting coverage for it, you're not <laughs> yes, sensitive exactly. to profanity anymore. <laughs> no. it. Uh, everything about the show is what I want from television. I don't know that I could watch this show 
on a constant basis, you know, for, you know, three or four times a, a year, mm-hmm. um, just the intensity, the emotional ups and downs. Uh, I still need my Mandalorian. I still need my, uh, last of us. I still need my silos. You know, I need, I, I need all that other stuff. Um, but this is a, a pinnacle of television from the acting, the direction, the scripts, the plot lines, the production values, I, it makes me want to cry how good this <laughs> is. And I am so thankful that these, uh, that FX and Hulu took a shot on this. I'm glad for all of the actors and just everybody who's involved in this because this is top notch television making. This is a- at its finest. And um, both my spouse and I watched this. We've been on vacation the last couple of weeks. Uh, traveling with my family and every night, you know, we'd watch a couple of episodes and, you know, during the day, my wife would look at me and she'd say, Oh, you know, I was thinking about the episode. Can't wait to watch tonight. Even like she was just in rapture with this. Um, and I feel like, I wish I had had more time to absorb it before we podcasted, but we got to kind of, you know, keep the content grind going, but there are some, episodes in this season that blew me away there are character arcs in this that i i I didn't think possible you know yeah (laughs) i'm getting all like weepy about this right now (laughs) i i could not believe i was rooting for who i was rooting for by the end of the season yeah and that is that's like game of thrones level turning people around yeah 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 I'll tell you my experience with watching The Bear with my wife is when everybody was talking about how good it was, I started it with yeah. her. We watched the first two or three episodes one at a time because it was so stressful. Because you and, had to do season one before because you didn't watch it last year, right? Right, right. Yeah. Well, we, we started season one last year, like later in the year. It was, season one is a very different show than season two in many ways. It is. In tonal- is. Tonality-wise, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so we started watching it. And after episode three, every time I brought up watching it, she'd go, no, I can't handle that right now. You know, we have we have <laughs> two small children, and she's like, I just can't handle that level of stress right now. Exactly. And so this was coming. We had impending season two, and I knew I had to finish season one before season two. <laughs> and I was doing the dishes, and I had the TV on, and I had I had the bear on. And she goes, "You're watching the bear without me." I was like, "Do you want to watch the bear?" She goes, "No, it's too stressful." And I was like, "Okay, well, I don't know what to tell you that, but it's it's that kind of show, right? Like, it's so good. Like, she loved it when she watched it, but it's it's just getting yourself to get into that stress level can be a lot. It can really be a lot, especially after you've had a hard day. Yeah, but I loved season two. I um I had a, a minor procedure that kept me in bed and couch for a couple days, and so I uh-huh. just binged the crap out of the season. And it really worked well as a binge. You know, I, I think that most shows don't work well as binges, but this one did because, one, I think we all knew that it was going to at least somewhat work out. Otherwise, the show was pointless. Right. And so there, there's no, like, there's no, like, uh, true plot suspense, but the energy is so suspenseful that you just need to get to the next episode. And you need yeah. to know what's going to happen. You need to know how it's going to happen. And for that kind of show, I think a binge is perfect because you sort of felt the time crunch of them trying to open up the restaurant yeah. because you were rushing to finish the season. And so good job on using the binge model to your advantage, Hulu, because I, I don't think most people do. 
I, I've been listening to some other podcasts um, coverage, and it's interesting too how our peers are having to break down the things. Some folks are doing um, like a single episode, you know, yep. like we're doing. Others have broken it up into multiple chunks. Uh, it's always hard for us to, as podcasters, to be able to cover binge model shows. Yep. Uh, it always poses a lot of dilemmas. Um, that said, in some of the conversation that I've listened to, I've heard various discussions about whether it should have been binge or weekly and how a weekly model might have let some of these episodes breathe a little bit. But at the same time, they're, they're still dealing with an unknown factor here. And then as well, I think uh, you make a really good point, which is the show itself lends itself to be able right. to It's to a claustrophobic binge. situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And then if you and, can control, yeah, yeah, if you can control your own viewing, even though whatever, I don't know, there's something about the, the dynamic. So I don't know what FX is going to do next season. Um, and I, I don't know if they're going to go, I hope they only go three seasons, to be honest. I yeah. want a beginning, middle and end to this story. I want to see the restaurant, you know, in, in a year, I don't know whenever we're going to go to next. I don't know how they're going to, if they're going to time jump or keep it straight. Uh, because that's what they did from one to two, but I don't want this to be a show that just tries to go on and on and on. I want, I, I really hope that they have a, a, an end goal that they're aiming for. And I think that'll lend itself to better story making. And then whether they do a uh, binge or, or weekly next year or next season or whenever it's coming, I, I kind of trust these showrunners to make a little bit of a decision for me. I mean, it's partly network. Mm-hmm. But either way, I would be fine. I don't think I would be, as a fan, as just a viewer, bothered one way or another. As a podcaster, yeah, I like to have a week <laughs> to watch it a couple of times, <laughs> yeah. take notes, do some research, you know, let it breathe a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I really am looking forward to, to season three, and and I hope that um, I hope this writer strike, I hope the studios pull their heads out of their bums and you know let these writers get on with what they do so well. Because this I mean, was every so second well counts. Every, every second, second counts. counts, and they're not doing it. Yeah, no. But yeah, I whew, I was looking back at our show rank, my show rankings for last year. It was my number six. Oh, it was not as high as I thought, but it was very high still. I mean, it's we still had Andor, 10. White Lotus, Better Call Saul, Pachinko, House of the Dragon. That's my top five, and then Severance, The Boys, Rings of Power. We own the city. So last year was a tough year. To 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 rank in there. Yeah, so at number six. That's that's pretty strong. And like you said. Episode one, totally very different show. <laughs> very, yes. very hard to watch. Yes. Uh, yes. Whereas this one is was a joy. Uh, it was yeah. a real pleasure. Yeah, it's weird because it almost felt a little bit more upbeat, and yet it still had that sort of stress of running a restaurant. Yeah. I guess, I guess it was because the restaurant wasn't running for seven of the eight episodes. And so you didn't feel that day-to-day stress. Whereas, you know, you had that time crunch of trying to get it done. But other than episode six on the Christmas episode, which we'll talk about in detail, I don't think that you felt that like in the moment, oh, my God, we're in crisis mode. Right. And I think we also didn't have Richie yelling as much. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was really grew up a little bit. Yeah, that that was a a lot of the stressor was the antagonism between Richie and uh, Carmi uh, that uh, that I think made it difficult for, for me to watch. The stuff with, you know, Sydney and, and Carmen, it wasn't that difficult. And then Sydney with the other staff, those things were all in season one, 
manageable for me. It was really Cousin and, and Carmen who were yeah. um, where that anger and that intensity, which I think really plays a lot to this season. Yeah, when we get to episode uh, seven, when Richie's stodging at the uh, other restaurant, the payoff then is really worth something because of all that drama in season yeah. one. You know, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here because I know we're going to talk about that episode specifically. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think there's a lot of season to season payoff here, and that that was exceptional. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I think a big turning point to Richie that made him want to grow up was the scare where he almost killed somebody. Right. In oh, season yeah. One, which uh-huh. uh, I if I had not rewatched season one or watched it for the first time, like a week before season two, then I wouldn't have even remembered it because they never mention it again. Right. It's almost weird how they don't mention it again because you don't get nothing for aggravated assault. <laughs> you often go to prison for that. So I don't right. know what happened with that, Richie. Maybe they dropped the charges for some reason. I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, Uncle Cicero, uh, you know, helped them yeah. out. There. <laughs> oh, something. If they don't address this in season three, then they're insane. The whole they, he's clearly a mob guy. Right. He's mobbed up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, this is a, a Sopranos <laughs> crossover here. So I think that with all those thoughts out of the way, let's get into the season break proper. Sure. Can I just ask you last one last quick question? Yeah. How is this? Uh, do you think is this? I'm sure it's going to make your top ten for the year. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Do Do you think it's breaking your top five? Top five? Yes. It's not my okay. top one. I still think Last sure. of Us is holding my top slot. Wow. Okay. Nice. I still think that's that's holding my top slot, but we will see where it goes from here as well. Where yeah, where I mean, we've got a goes. whole we've got, we've got a lot coming. coming on this year. We've got Wheel of Time. We've got Ahsoka. Um, probably we, we think White Lotus is going to be coming back. Yeah. Uh, so that's got that's a got plenty of stuff. Yeah. All right. Season breakdown. After the saucy surprise of last season injected new funds into the original beef, Carmi and Sid decide to burf. close the restaurant and what? <laughs> Sorry, burf. <laughs> the uh, the the t-shirt that uh that cousin had was uh, BERF. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. So, uh yes, after the saucy surprise of last season and injected new funds into the original beef, burf. Carmi and Sid decide to close the restaurant and reopen as a fine dining establishment called The Bear. Realizing they need more money, they go to Cicero, who agrees to fund them on the condition that they pay him back within 18 months or he can sell the restaurant. Nat, secretly pregnant, takes over in logistics. Richie and Fack handle construction, and Sid and Carmi work on the menu. Marcus, nervous about leaving his dying mother, is sent to train with Carmi's former co-worker. Ibrahim and Tina are sent to culinary school after Sid asks Tina to be her Sue. The construction of the building turns out to be a bigger job than anticipated and almost results in delaying in opening, uh, but eventually works out. Meanwhile, Carmi is distracted by his rekindled romance with Claire. A lot Claire there. Bear. Claire Bear. I, I, let's get it out of the way. What did you think of Claire Bear? Because this is a very hot topic online. Oh, is it? I haven't. Uh... Yes, it is. Okay. She's been labeled a manic pixie dream girl. By a lot of the internet. <laughs> and I don't think it's completely unfair. Like the actor is doing an excellent job. No, right. nothing, no shade to her. So a lot of people are criticizing how shallow a character she was written and how she was used mostly as a plot device to get Carmi 
moving away from the restaurant and to get him realizing that he can't have a social life for some reason. Uh huh. What do you think about those criticisms and your general opinions on Claire Bear? Uh, I, I don't, I don't have any criticisms of, of Claire Bear. I think she was a great character. I think she was a great addition. I really liked the plot device of bringing somebody forward from their shared past. And it ties in obviously with uh, uh, episode six fishes at the mm-hmm. Christmas uh, thing. Um, I can relate in the sense that sometimes there are those missed connections from your younger days when you re-encounter that person and it's, you're like, wow, you know, how did I miss this? How was I so stupid? Um, you know, let's go. And it turns out it's not just a, a fling. It's, it's something that's, I think has a, a lot more depth and, and, um, passion to it. I like that she is, um, I, I, I think it would have been difficult to give her, give us more of her in this, um, limited amount of time that we have in a, in a 10 season run when we've got a lot to do and we've got a lot of original characters to work through. Um, so I felt that I felt enough depth for her character. Uh, you know, she's a doctor, she's an ER doctor. She has a, a life of her own. She's fulfilled in that regard. She's looking for what's next and, and Hey, you know, Carmi's back and I always had a crush on him and, uh, she puts the moves on him hard and yeah, he falls even after hard. he gives her a fake number. Totally. And she works and it we, out. She's and like, we never dude. even get it explained either. <laughs> he never gives I, her a satisfying explanation. No. And I, but I think that goes back to his, um, he, part of him understands what it does take to have a Michelin star. And I Mm -hmm. think he was trying to avoid exactly what happened. Yeah. Which was he couldn't keep both things. He he doesn't have the, a picture in his mind or, or an understanding of how he could have both a Michelin star restaurant and a healthy, normal personal life. Yeah, I mean Cicero's comment of uh-oh oh my gosh when he yeah well he just it's not even oh my gosh it's uh oh it's it's very <laughs> it's almost worse right because it's right. so subtle and it's so like just just somebody being like I you know you're an adult I can't tell you what to do but mm-hmm. that's not a good that's not good news for my investment in you and that's not right. good news for your restaurant yeah and and, and I think that love- that that's why it gets through to Carmi yes. is because it was so subtle and because he didn't push it. Like if he had said, you got to get rid of this girl, this is going to ruin the restaurant. No, it's just, uh-oh. Yeah. Man, Cicero is such a good character. I mean, he's so good. He's a dick for doing that, but. <laughs> is he um, a dick for doing that? I, I mean. I, th- I think so. I mean, look, okay. he, some, we should be able to have partners. We should not be pushing people to give every single cell of their being to their work. Right. But. I, I, I did think it was really hilarious the way he did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think that, uh, I mean, Cicero has put in a lot of money. He's got a lot writing here. And I think yeah. there could have, you, he might've said to him, all right, let's get this thing open and then let's talk. And I want to support you in having a healthy relationship and yeah. it's important for you. But yeah, uh oh, is I think 
um, uh, ricocheted, uh, ricocheted uh, uh, Carmi off into a kind of a wrong direction. Yes. So that did. when he does get trapped in the fridge, um, it really sinks into him that he's been taking his eye off the ball. And New Love, he's got two. You can you do a a, a full restaurant? And then have a partner, and that's so hard. I, I think it would be hard on Claire Bear. I don't think she understands what she's getting into. Well, she is an ER doctor, which has a similarly awful <laughs> work-life balance. It's true. Which, and by the way, going through we, med this school is, and, and this all is another that. thing that people are bringing up. Like, how does this woman always look well rested? She's an ER doctor. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> she has a good yeah. beauty routine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, I, I think overall I'm very happy with the introduction of Claire Bear. I think it's it injected the right kind of crisis uh, for Carmi to have to deal with to sort his life out. He has a model of what it is, and I don't know. It, I, do we want to start talking? Do we want to break it down into some of the specifics here? Or are we going to? Yeah, yeah. Keep, give your thoughts on some of these other plot points. Sure. So when we get to the fridge, I think the fridge is such an important part of the story. Oh, well, that uh, that I was going to go later. That, then that let's I was save it. Do. So, yeah, the, I think, you know, and then with what happens with Carmi at the end of, of episode 10 and and where we are, where we are in in the potential for their relationship. Um, but it's, it's all stuff that Carmi has to deal with because he doesn't have a model to have a healthy family life and a healthy right. relationship and to be a successful restaurateur. Right. And, um, I think both for Carmen's character as himself, as for the story of the bear, because that's a character in our our drama here, the bear right. itself, right? For the bear to to take life, it's going to be very important for this team to to work together. And uh, having your main guy who's driving this take his eye off the ball for a minute um, not only gives other people a place to shine, because if he hadn't gotten, if he wasn't off his game, Richie would never have been able to take get in his game in that way. Right. And I think that that for all of those reasons and more for the for the actor for as Molly Gordon playing Claire as for how they've portrayed her I have no criticisms. I am fully on board with the relationship as established, the character as established and I'm so effing pissed at Carney right now. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, was on jerk. the refrigerator door too, you know, like you can't blow that relationship, man. This is it. This is your relationship. Yep. So what about you? Where are you at with, uh, with Claire bear? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause I didn't really pick up anything troublesome about her during the season. And then people were like, she's a manic pixie dream girl. And I, I see the criticism when I think about it. Like I see the criticism, but I mean, it, it, I, I get the criticism of like, we don't want to make, we don't want to treat women characters as these plot tools. Right. For sure. That said, I don't, I think that there are many characters, women and men in this show that are plot tools. Uh-huh. Like I think Cicero is largely a plot tool, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that much of a personality. He's mostly just the bank and a little sarcastic. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that this show just has such a big ensemble that you're never going to have every single character fully fleshed out in a 10 episode season, like you were saying, right? right? Like there's no room for all that. In fact, I will say 
this season let me see more into the lives of non-carmy characters than mm-hmm. last season. Like Sid got a lot more focus. I loved that. Yeah. Um, the uh, even Tina got a little more focus. You know, she got yep. out of her shell. Yep. And uh, PD sugar <laughs> sugar. PDs. Yeah. PD, you know. Yep. yep. The only person we didn't get a lot was with uh, was Ibrahim. Um, yes. And I, I, I think he, that was on purpose from him, though. I mean, the character, you know, he okay. was, was kind of. Yeah, bailing, he did. Right? He did check out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll see more when uh, he starts having the sandwich window open. Yeah. Yeah. We will see. But yeah, anyway, so I get the criticism. I hear the criticism. I agree with the criticism. She was largely a manic pixie dream girl. However, I'm also like. It didn't completely ever ruin my immersion in the show, you know, right. because there was just so much going on that I almost didn't notice it. Mm. Yeah, the crit- Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Now, I thought I, I am. I think she added a lot, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm happy for her ha- as a character in the storyline. So, yeah, very cool. Um, so this idea that you know, why did Carmi go? All right, we're gonna pay you back in eighteen months. <laughs> He just says <laughs> insanity. That. He just insanity. writes a blank check. Yeah, but he puts a he puts the hammer down. Right? He says we're we got to put up or shut up. We've got to yep. get through this. We've got to figure out. There's nothing. Every second counts. Which you know, it turns out that that's the you know the background for for all of this. Uh, it's yeah. A, I liked that too. Yeah, I like uh, that uh, as this sort of motif. Right. Oh, and it was great to get that as a gift at the end. Yeah. From, uh, <laughs> well, it's a quick diversion here. Yeah. D- uh, did you catch that when Carmi, w- or not Carmi, but when Richie was walking through um, the restaurant, he saw a picture on the wall of Chef Luca, played by yeah. Will Poulter, and uh, Carmi there? Um, I'm all weepy now because that relationship, <laughs> woo, I'm hot. Woo, a little bit. That relationship between chef luca and uh uh marcus is extraordinary uh and it was just so beautiful and so touching for him to receive that placard was extraordinary it was such a wonderful moment well earned boy john i'm this are, are you show gonna have got to me buy s- yourself <laughs> yeah you're gonna have to buy yourself a pair of uh herb tweezers after uh, that one. <laughs> anyway this that's what this show means that much to me that i'm like spontaneously crying on the mic here right that's that's how you sure good, i can attest yeah that's how good in the show is and that's how much i really want our tv industry to have these kinds of shows yeah and so for a show to have me react in this way yeah that's clearly why for me it's in my number one but anyway where were we we got really lost off track there we, we did about- but that's okay so we we had the promise of 18 months and yes i liked the way that everyone sort of comes to the same realization we cannot wait six months to open right. we got to do this quick and uh it, it they do it in the end nat also co- taking over and sort of coming in and, and so great. being more involved this season. Yeah, I really liked having her more involved. She was really ancillary last season. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what I mean is like when we when we talk about Manic Pixie Dream Girls, like, yes, that is a not great thing. Um, and yes, that has deeply rooted misogyny. And then, but this show also then does the opposite of bringing in female side characters and making them more fully fleshed out. Like 
Sugar was so developed this season, especially yeah. in the Christmas episode. I really appreciated her acting. I really appreciated her performance. I really appreciated the writing around who she was. She was a very complex character, and it was very relatable, wasn't yeah. it? It was just very relatable of just being with a family member who is having a hard time trying to do your best, but also trying not to step on toes. Now I'm getting off track. What do you think of Sugar <laughs> being pregnant? Um I thought it was a really interesting twist. I, I, the, the show hit some key comedy bits. Uh, it was slightly ridiculous for the wall to drop as it did in that moment in the accidental yep. reveal. But I appreciated the levity and, and that show needs some of that kind of comic relief humor from time to time. So I was okay with that. Um, I like Sugar's character in as much as that she is a complex character. Yes. She's a, you know, she's married. Uh, she's a daughter of a woman who's d- <laughs> deeply has some, you know, I don't know, is it narcissism or, or, or depression or like what's going on with, uh, with uh, their mother. But a lot, of, a lot of issues there. But also being a businesswoman who can play soft or hard as she needs to. And I love, there was a scene where she goes to Cicero and like bats her eyes and, and says, Oh dear yep. uncle. And you know, he, he, ha- she has, uh, him eating out of the palm of her hand. And right. I love that sugar can be all those things. Yes. Can be a complex person right. with complex motivation. As we all are, right? Like we, as all, we all put on are. different masks when we need to, because, yeah. you know, we go to work or we do podcast podcasts right. and we do parenting and <laughs> they're, they're all different, different people. Right. Right. They're and sometimes you got to drop the hammer. The world. Yeah. And, and sometimes you got to play sweet and nice or, or let somebody else, you know, Hey, that's not my department. That's yours. You got to deal with it. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's probably enough uh, discussion on the setup of the season. Oh, we could be, just to I be, know. I know just, we could, but we shouldn't. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk about episode six. And we're back. David, it's time to talk about episode six. Ooh. This was a heavy episode. In fact, you know, I mentioned my wife gets stressed out watching this show, but yeah. I, I tormented her by making her watch this with me because I re I rewatched this episode with her because I just thought it was so good and brilliant. And the star studded cast of this episode was incredible. Every time they panned the camera somewhere, I was like, they got that guy. They got that woman. They got, <laughs> they got who? <laughs> what did you, what were your overall opinions on this episode? First of all. Uh, so I had thought that up until that moment, episode four, Honeydew, when Marcus goes off to Copenhagen was going to be a high point for me in the series. I knew there was more coming, but at that point I just felt the, the soulfulness, the tenderness, the stuff that Marcus was dealing with, the (laughs) just loving the evolution of Marcus you know, from being a guy who needed a job to being this, who goes to Copenhagen and opens himself up. Um, I'm I'm pulling back to, <laughs> to previous uh, episodes because it's so hard not to. Um, so I thought that 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 was going to be a, a high note for me. And then I was chit chatting with some folks on Twitter, and somebody had commented, you know, wait until six, and I was like, uh, uh, okay. Yep. 
Yeah. And then I was like, I just watched, you know, four and five and they're like, okay, let us know when you watch six. And boy, did I, I just had my ass, I, myself knocked on my ass. I, I think uh, it was a tour de force. It was so illuminating. We got to learn so much about the characters and what drives them and motivates them. Uh, we got to see Richie not being an asshole. Yeah. Right. He was like a like normal. Trying his best. Yeah. Trying his best and being, you know, being uh, 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 an expectant father and mm-hmm. being in love with his partner. And and it really makes me wonder, like, what happened for them to, you know, did, he couldn't, he was stuck at the beef and he couldn't get a job. I don't know what yeah. happened, but. Um, I think it was, it was the deception in the end, mm-hmm. probably. Right. Yeah, it, it has to be, right? Because that's what they uh, gave us in the script. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, let's get into the plot of it. Let me recap here. Okay. In episode six, we're taken back several years to Christmas dinner at the Berzados. Their mother, Donna, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, prepares dinner in a timer-driven panic while lamenting <laughs> that nobody loves her. Sugar and Carmi do their best to keep their mother calm while Mikey schmoozes with the guests. Cousin Michelle, played by Sarah Paulson, sees the stressed-out Carmi and unsuccessfully attempts to break the cycle. Richie pushes Cicero for a job, lies to his pregnant wife, Tiff, that it was already promised to him, and is saved at the last second by Cicero. The facts attack Cicero and Stevie, played by John Mulaney, (laughs) with a baseball card short-term profit scheme. Donna arrives at the dinner table and has a meltdown, reigniting a smoldering feud between Mikey and Uncle Lee. Donna then drives her car into the house as Carmi looks on at a plate of cannolis. Wow. <sighs> even listening to your, yeah, even listening to that, it's got my blood pressure up. Yeah, I was like, oh, we should talk about this episode standalone. So I went to go recap it and I could not get enough into the paragraph. Like there was right. just no room for anything else. And I could have kept going. There were other details yeah. that happened there that I felt like mentioning, but I figured they would come up in conversation. But the first one I want to come out with is, yeah. We, first of all, clearly the root of the Berzano's insanity is Donna, right? Yeah. Like that mm. she created this mess, I think, along with her husband, probably. But we haven't we, we just don't have that on screen. And uh, this quote, I work so hard to make things beautiful for them and nobody yeah. makes things beautiful for me. And in that moment, even though Donna has been insane the whole time and has been cruel to her family members. You just feel for her, right? Like you feel for her as a woman who really has put her all into this holiday and really feels like I have to be mom and no one will ever appreciate me as, as, as kind to me as I am to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's really sad to hear. And I, I believe that that's sincere. Like I, Mm -hmm. even, even though, you know, largely she doesn't see the kindness around her and she doesn't see the way that her family is trying to help her, you know, Carmi just doing anything that she asks, uh, even not even saying anything when she's like, I told you to do this. Nope, she didn't. Uh, right. You know, sugar constantly like doing little okay? things behind the scene, like dumping out her wine yeah. and, uh, and just asking if she's okay and just trying to be a help. All these things of people trying to help her, she doesn't see because she's too caught up in this narrative that nobody loves her. Right. And, it's almost it almost seems to me that what's missing for her is not love, but it's the grand gesture because she's mm-hmm. doing this grand gesture of a big meal. Meanwhile, the little moments are all lost because she's too caught up in this narrative in her head and she's too caught up in the anxiety of the moment. 
Interesting. And that's just yeah. so sad to me. Like she just lost out on all these little moments that like Mikey's having and the facts are having with Stevie and, and mm-hmm. Michelle is having with all these people. Like she, she doesn't have that because she's too caught up in the grand gesture. Do you think that, do you think that there's a, some, you know, actual condition underlying there? Is it, is there some narcissism there? Is there some, yeah, it could be um, untreated, you know, trauma from her own, you know, life and childhood. Like, I mean, I heard. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to put a label on it because you know sure. we're not psychiatrists. We're not, and nor, nor has and the show given us be. a specific information yeah. about it. So yeah. yeah, but I mean, there certainly could be mental health issues. There's mm-hmm. certainly trauma involved here, right? I mean, yeah. this something something made her this way, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't. She didn't arrive on this planet this way. <laughs> we don't know the what happened with her husband as well. He's not in right, the and it anymore, does seem or like, father. Right. It does seem like the the restaurant took a toll on the husband too. Mm, interesting. So there's I think Cicero the, makes a comment last season about it, how basically okay. like the, the restaurant took a real really big toll on their dad. So that's interesting to think about it too. So when she shows up at the end and mm-hmm. and can't go in, um there's a lot more tied up in that because this restaurant has had such an impact on this family. Right. It uh, really does like if I'm if I'm Donna and I'm looking for something to blame, the restaurant seems like a pretty good yeah. <laughs> scapegoat. <laughs> and yet, it's interesting here her manic uh, energy around cooking this seven you know fishes meal is so much of what has uh, informed Carmi in in his way of being and his life. That and I think that's what you know ultimately destabilizes things. You know, obviously he he says some stuff that Claire he can't uh, he can't unsay because of the, yeah. he's stuck in yeah. a refrigerator. But um, this idea that um, this cooking is all and the timer is driving these things and every second counts. Um, that's how Carmi dealt with the stress and trauma from his childhood yep. and his upbringing was I'm going to go cook, right? And right. so we see that in his mother in, in the preparation of this meal. I, I mean, I just want to say the the cadence of the timers was amazing. Yes, so great. And the fact that she never knew what it was for. Right. <laughs> she was always like, what's that for? Oh, my sauce is burning, you know? Um, and, and even with Carmi, when she says, take this out of the fridge or something, and then she turns around and goes, I told you to take this off the stove. Why is nobody listening to me? And And... It's like, I, I got it. I'll take it off the stove. Like, it's right. so clear how afraid they are of her. Right. It's very right. scary. And that's, she really is holding that kitchen hostage. And you can see the very different responses to it, right? I mean, you have cousin Michelle trying to laugh it off. You have Carmi and uh, Sugar trying to just caretake and trying to take a load off. Um, you have, you know, Natalie is really, she's doing her best, but I think she's almost making it worse by like, it's fueling her anxiety, which creates an anxiety loop, which I, I get that. I've been there. Like right. two people are anxious and you're just feeding off each other's anxiety and that happens. But yeah, it's it's really rough to watch because you know that she should not be asking anymore. Are you okay? Well, and they set that up right at the beginning of the episode when they're out having a cigarette. It's like, don't do it. And what does she do? She walks in and she does it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. And Donna does make a point. Like she's like, Are you asking anyone else if they're okay? But at the same time, everybody else is acting like a normal person ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, or, and then, and, but then Mikey is like, is like trying to be the head of the family now, right? Mm-hmm. He's sitting at the head of the table. He's telling stories repeatedly. He's the dad now. You right. know, he's he's the guy. And Lee is like just trying to undermine his role at you know, every yeah, step. Yeah, you want to <laughs> switch gears into that conversation? Oh my god, that was hard to watch. Also, again, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, fabulous. What, where where did he come from? <laughs> out, out of nowhere. I was like, wait, Bob Odenkirk is in this? Yeah. He was so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, and do if, you know that that fact is a real chef? I heard, I think my spouse told me that. I think Maddie she, Matheson, she, I think is his name. Yeah. Oh, we have a, a firework going on outside. We're recording this on July 3rd. Oh, nice. If you, uh, if you didn't know, and uh, that is that is a firework for the 4th of July. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think my, my, uh, spouse had told me that he's a, he's the actual only real chef on the, on the show. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the, yeah, the Bob Odenkirk stuff was out of the blue. I had no expectation for that. And then for him and Mikey to go to the length that they did, I fortunately have never been in a family dynamic of that intensity or level. I've, you know, we've skirted the edge of a few, you know, you know, things are said or, eh, you know, uh, but nothing at, to this level. And so I yeah. was cringing the entire time. And every time Mikey would, that you know, calm there, everybody's trying to calm him down. I'm like, just dude, shut it. Just leave it. There's no, there's no cheese at the end of this tunnel. Let it go. And when he throws that fork, uh, it, it, <laughs> the last just, one you mean? Yeah. <laughs> into the cannolis, right? And so there you go. And then, of course, who ends up cleaning forks? Richie. And I think forks make an appearance in a couple of other places in this. So it's very interesting that that's a, a little yeah. device that that carries through the season. Um, but the intensity in the kitchen, and then now we have intensity out of the kitchen, uh, was wild. And I didn't even I wasn't even tracking who these characters were and what the relationships was. It didn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter yeah. to me who Bob Odenkirk's actual character is and what his actual position in the family is. Yeah, that was a little unclear at first. I had to look it up, and it is indeed their Uncle Lee. Uh-huh. He is. It seems like he is Donna's brother. Okay. That's what I got from that. Okay. But then, he, yeah, he was pulling stuff. Yeah, because he had an intimacy with, with Donna that, that yeah. I thought was interesting. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I almost it, thought he was a stepdad at first. Yeah, right? so did I. That, I was reading that very, very early on. Um, because he was, but then he's trying to throw his weight around as a, a patriarchal right. figure in there, right. but then Mikey's not having it. Bernenthal's, right. you know, no, he's like, no, Bernenthal did a great job with this character. Amazing. Too. Let's just Amazing. talk about that. You know, the best part about this episode is that it really shattered this glorified opinion of Mikey that has been pushed uh-huh. in this show mm-hmm. because you have this, you know, oh, everybody loves Mikey. Every, oh, I love that kid. You know, it's every... This this idea that he's this like tragic figure that just one day, you know, unfortunately committed suicide uh, and there were no issues before that. That's um, that was really shattered by this. Right. I mean, he was he had a drug addiction here. Yeah. He clearly something weird was going on with the restaurant here because he's stressed out when Carmi proposes to him that they, you know, revamp the restaurant a bit. Right. Right. And I think that's where this season or in this season, episode six does all of this amazing work. So embedded to inside of the storylines 
that we learn, they do a lot of world building here and answer a lot of questions that we didn't know we needed answered. We uh, relationships that we didn't know we needed to understand motivations. There was a lot of stuff embedded in here that is exceptional writing because it told us information without being uh, external. You know, uh, what's the word we use all the time? Um, um, X something. Expositing. Expositing. Exposition dump. Exposition. Thank you. It's not an exposition dump. It's buried inside of the characters. And as the characters go about their normal activities, we learn those insights. And that is what I want from a show like this is that kind of insight and um, the ability to illuminate these these dramas and hurts and traumas um, without, you know, doing a big info dump for me. Yeah. And we talk about the restaurant and how it, it, how it impacted this family. We can see here, here's the evidence of it, right? Right. You know, people people are saying this is the most plot relevant Christmas episode I've ever seen. <laughs> Whereas most are, yeah, it's it really does add so much to the show. And he, yeah. you know, when when it first goes back in time, I'm like, uh, I don't know Uh-oh. if I need a, I don't need know if I need a flashback here. And also, I thought it was just gonna be like a flashback, right? Like quick opening, you know, cold open right. maybe, and then right. we're back. No, we are be- fully back in time. And then the the stars sh- start showing up, and that sort of start, starts to reel me back in. Mm-hmm. Just, just the fact that I'm like, oh, look at that! Oh, look at that! And then I'm curious about how these characters are going to interact, and these actors are going to interact. But then, as it goes on, it's the story that's pulling me back in, and it's the story, the the background that I'm getting to this family that really has me coming back for more, and has me rewatching it again later because this is the only episode. This this one and the next episode are the only ones that I rewatched so far. Right. Right. I'm jealous because I've not <laughs> been able to get in a, a rewatch because of our traveling and life schedules. And we got so much to catch up on for, for July. Um, I thought, too, to talk, you know, just to tap on that really quick, is that six and seven as a pair are so well matched. And uh, for me yeah, to have Richie's resolution in 10, it, it I really, it, there's a pathway that's laid in six that I didn't know was being laid. And that is Richie, a normal guy who loves his um, daughter very much, but has a lot of shame wrapped up about not being a father, right. the way that he thinks a father should be or how he should be. Um, and And just being in a place that he doesn't feel good about himself. And so he can't do anything. And, and we've, you know, we see his prior to this, he's just a fuck up uh, and he's just making right. things worse. And so when they show us in six that, no, he's just a normal dude. Yeah. Who's he, he's going know, through a rough patch at, in season one. Yeah. But in six, it, you know, however, however many months ago prior to this was five years, I think is the, yeah, is something the like flashback. That. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just a normal guy right. uh, trying to make his way in life. It really opens up then for his redemption arc later. And again, in just so nicely wrapped up in this whole episode. Right. So efficiently and so well told to, it's just exceptional. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm out of superlatives. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Let's just do a little bit of housekeeping on this episode. First of all, what do you think is going on with Mikey and his really, really big freak out 
about Carmi trying to open up the bear? Like, what is it just the money? Is it just the laundering money with the um, tomato yeah. sauce? Or is it more? Like, is there more there? Is it the selling of cocaine we learned that was happening right. uh, last season? Is there is there more there? Like, is was Mikey more involved with this, like, criminal underworld of Cicero than mm-hmm. we know now? And I, I, I almost feel like season three is going to have to answer that question. Interesting. Um, I certainly think that's part of it, but I think we have to go back to the fact that this, the restaurant as is, the original birth, uh, is not a healthy place. No, not a healthy place for Mikey. For you know, uh, conceivably their their father, or you know, all the other family members who have been involved in the restaurant. And I think the way I was reading it was that Mikey was looking at Carmi as this is you know y- you have an out. You don't have yeah. to be involved in this. You found a way to break free of this cycle. So why the right. hell would you want to come back to this insanity, to this pain, this this lovelessness, which all, makes it all the more ironic that he gets trapped in the refrigerator in this loveless right. place, you know, at the end. Right. Um, and, and like the idea that the way that Carmi got this out was because he was trying to find his way into the restaurant. Right. He was trying to earn Mikey's <laughs> respect enough to get him into the restaurant. Yeah. Like imagine saying, nice. I'm going to go become a three star Michelin chef. Yeah. So that I can work at the original beef. Right. What <laughs> crazy. It's what? insane, but that's yeah. who Carmi is. It's it's he's such a complex character and that's why this yeah. show works. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting too, just another segue thought, there's so much of this season was not about Carmi, even though it was about Carmi, that they spent so much time with all of these other characters and then to get Bernenthal back and to get um, a deeper insight into Mikey. And I, I wanted to touch another thing about Mikey was when he's having that argument with Uncle Lee and, and, uh, he's delivering those, you know, he's saying those lines to him. And you see the pain in Mikey. Oh, you're nothing. You're nothing. You can see Mikey's pain that inside. Yeah, he's a big showboaty guy. But inside, there's some loveless place where he is hurt. He's a little boy. He he has doubts about himself, dealing with addiction, dealing with uh, trauma and depression. And and Uncle Lee is getting in there and he's pushing on that. Um, Yeah. And I mean, it does seem like an open secret that he has an addiction problem here, you know? Right. He's like, uh, what, what is the joke he makes? It's like, oh, yeah, I flinched because I still, I'm not on pills, you right. know? <laughs> oh, Which man. was a good comeback, I gotta yeah, say. A good was. comeback if you're gonna, Tight you know, zinger. come back from flinching. Oh, boy, I don't know. We could just, we could talk about this episode forever. Um, it's Okay, there's... last question for you, though. Okay. Would you invest in the facts scheme? No. <laughs> of baseball cards. <laughs> I did but, enjoy John Mulaney's line. I'm I was going to say, we got to talk about John Mulaney real quick. Yeah. I'm going Just to for give the you the $500 because whatever you do with it, it will be interesting to me. <laughs> My condition is you give me weekly updates. It was, it was a, he really put the vibe of the show well, I think. And uh, one of my favorite things about his performance was at the dinner table when he's going off on this nonsensical grace that is just going nowhere. And rambling about everything, Donna's just like barely holding on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Donna is just feeling this. It's like she is 
a, a recently converted person at a church listening mm-hmm. to a powerful sermon. The way she's gripping her hands and going, yes, yes. You know, she's she's really just feeling it. And John Mooney's like, and we're all together this year again. Right. And thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it's so strange. I don't know. We might have to uh, we might have to rewatch. I have to rewatch this episode. I could I could podcast a, a whole hour about this episode just in. <laughs> I know. Its own. I know. I forgot because you just as you were saying, I completely forgot about John Mulaney's, um um, giving the grace. Uh, yeah, the, he did know, a great job there. Exceptional. He was his character was so lovely. Yeah, uh, and and to see him get yelled at, really, it was hurtful, and yeah. and and you have to take it as it's not you that she's yelling at. It's like she's just blowing off and blowing up. Yeah, uh, but he was the perfect person to be targeted for that, right? To for us to to feel it. So yeah. All right, one last point. Yes, poor Pete. Petey, oh. poor Petey. He yeah. just wanted to bring his tuna salad. It's the seven fishes, though. <laughs> the way that sugar just takes it from him and throws it out the door. So funny. It was so good. So good. So funny. And again, it lays groundwork for what happens in episode 10 when yeah. Petey talks to Donna outside the restaurant and what they have to go through, what they go through together, and how Petey just wants to be accepted. And it's a funny, this Farazano family is funny because we have cousin Carmi, who's not biologically related, as I understand it. Yeah, you mean Richie? Richie is not biologically related. Right, right. Um, yeah, well, he is related through friendship. Did right. you hear him? Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. Was a great line. exactly yeah. <laughs> how are you related? Friendship. Friendship. <laughs> and the facts, how are the facts related? Oh, they're not related either, I don't think. Right. So, like, there's all just, of these. Yeah these attachment family members around this. Um, mm-hmm. And so PD just wants in on something of anything. And he's married this wonderful woman and uh, he's, who's very in love with him and, and makes, he makes her feel safe, but he's such a doofus. <laughs> he's such a, uh, yes. Bringing tuna casserole to a Christmas dinner. Like, what are you thinking, man? What are you thinking? And they all react to it like it's uh, a, a bad omen. It's a. It's like if they if you touch it, you're going yeah. to cause something bad to happen. And we do. We get a car driven through the living room. We do get a car driven through the living room. Okay. Now I keep saying one more point, but one last question for you on this episode. Yeah. yeah. Who is Francie Fack, and what did she do? Because everyone is upset about her. I. You have to remind me a little bit to uh, jog my memory. She's come up several times this season. Okay. And we've never seen her. Okay. We've heard her mentioned by the facts. We've heard her said by Sugar, like, she she hates Fa- Francie Fack. People say, like, don't let her show her face around here. Like, there's all these weird references to her. What okay. did she do to this family? <laughs> that right. So done with her. <laughs> yeah, I have no, uh, I have no idea. Uh, I, I actually, it's a detail I've been missing. So, okay. Well, on your rewatch, keep track of Francie Fack. I think you'll have fun with it. Uh, have you done any Reddit work on, on Francine Fack or? Well, I, yeah, I saw one post on Reddit where they said, I want Artemis from Always Sunny. If you know, if you know, you know, Artemis from Always Sunny should play Francie Fack. They're saying, cause she's like an unhinged character. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so maybe, maybe that'll work out. Uh, cool. But yeah, no, people are just wondering, who the heck is this woman? What did she do to this family? Why does everyone have a grudge against her? Nice. Um, maybe maybe season three will bring that. Yeah, that'd be good. I hope so. 
Back in the present, Carmi sends Richie to stage at the most prestigious restaurant in Chicago. After initially resisting the culture, Richie is broken down by Garrett and taught a love for service. In particular, he shows an interest in the way Chef Jess keeps the dishes moving. Richie learns that Tiff is engaged and becomes a Swifty as a result. He shares a heart-to-heart with Chef Terry, who tells him that Carmi was right and Richie is good with people. What a lovely episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Extraordinary. The way that he... It broke me. The way that he brings out... It really culminates in the way he brings out the deep dish pizza. Yeah. And he just has such joy in setting it down in front of them. And he does it in a very richy way, right? Like, he doesn't automatically become (laughs) a high-class, you know, fancy restaurant person. He goes, boom. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. When he sets it down. It's very, um, it's very the the original beef rather than the bear. Uh, So maybe let's keep Richie back a house for a while. But although they did seem to enjoy him quite a lot. Yeah, totally. And I think this is where... This is the first time that he's broken orbit from the Barrazano's family. And so right, he is right. alone in this world. And uh, once he gets over his ego and gets out of his own way, a little bit right. like Roy Kent, right? You know, get out of your own way, man, because the woe is me shtick right. is tiresome. Right. So he has this opportunity to discover himself within this world and to know himself in a way that he didn't he wasn't ever able to before because he fits a he fits in a place in that family and that role is defined and what we discover and what he discovers is he's a charming motherfucker he is he a is. good people yeah. person he's smart he's capable and when he gets connected to something that is fulfilling for him it lights him up right exactly. and he <laughs> becomes a whole person. Yeah. Some people just need a chance, right? He never yeah. really had a chance. Doesn't seem like that's no. Sister job handout. The no. beef, the original beef was not a chance, guys. I mean, it, it seems like everybody was sinking at the end. And just to be Mikey's wingman, uh, and you know, we see how their dynamic was when they're trying to set Carmi up uh, around Claire Bear in episode, uh, well, in just the episode we talked about in, in, in six, that there are these over-the-top, energetic, conniving, egging each other on. Mikey's out front, and Richie's his, you know, yes, his hype man and, and right. wingman there. And um, uh, so when he breaks free of that, he, he, he takes on this, he takes on himself. Right, right. It's, it's amazing to see. And, I, and I, I agree, I love the fact that when he does deliver the pizza, and he's talking to him about, about getting drinks and all that stuff, it's... Still Richie. Richie hasn't become not Richie. He's still going to drop an F-bomb, and he's still going to be sort of this funky, rough way. Language. But, yeah. (laughs) That was a great little cadence, too, in that episode. So this is the first time that he's been able to feel good about himself in in a restaurant setting. And um, so when he comes back wearing suits, and he says, I wear suits now because it makes me feel good about myself, boom. Right. And, yeah. and he really is a changed man, right? He learns Completely. he learns quite a lot at this restaurant. I think I guess it's not a skill that he learned as much, although I do think he learned Chef Justice's sure. skill quite fast. Yeah. Um, but it's not just the skill that he learns, it's the attitude, right? It's yeah. the attitude of service yeah. rather than slew, slinging sandwiches, you know. Right. How does he describe it in episode six, right? I don't want to be 
I don't want to be wrapping sandwiches mm-hmm. at the at the beef. It's very like the mechanics of it. It's very like dismissive about it. Meanwhile, in this episode, he's learning how to serve, how to be a mm-hmm. server. And, you know, back I, I've worked food service. I've worked at a restaurant. I've worked at, at a lot of coffee shops. And the biggest joy of it is if you can really get a connection with the customers yeah. and be that sort of, especially when I was working in coffee, be the sort of bartender, right? right. You know, talk to them about their day, get to know them. Right. And uh, you don't always get to do that. Sometimes it's too busy, but uh, when you can do that, it really is what makes food service magical. magical. Yeah. And, you know, this show has done a great job of showing the stress of food service and it mm-hmm. has done a great job, like, demystifying it and de-glorifying it in, in terms of a Hollywood setting, because I think that that's something that happens in Hollywood is we romanticize things like kitchens. Sure. But yeah. and food culture and chef culture has been super hype. Right. Uh, Especially for the last on the decade game shows so. and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. My our daughter loves to watch these uh, competition cooking shows and, right. you know, uh, baconeering and, <laughs> you know, is it cake <laughs> and all these things. And Netflix really has a corner market in, in all of this stuff. Um, right. But yeah, with the David Changs and and all of these, you know, and, and these you know chefs table shows, and mm-hmm. I, I'm a big Top Chef fan. Season twenty, I think it, that stands outside of it a little bit. But yeah, we have a real. Um, I don't know when it began, but at some point, the the chef as celebrity as yeah, uh, yeah. as star uh, is really there. And like, so, to your point, they're demystifying a lot of it, right? But at the same time. There's a reason people keep doing it, right? And right. this is mm. the reason. And mm-hmm. Richie finally got the reason, which mm-hmm. is to bring those moments of magic when um, they have the teachers there, right? The mm. teachers from Elmhurst High it. School. Yeah. And they say, yeah. uh, I want to blow these people's fucking mind. You know, yeah. like, we, we're not going to drop a bill. I don't know if that would really happen in the real world. Maybe it does at these very nice restaurants. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, just this idea of like, you know, they're researching their customers. They want them to have an amazing experience. Like this is a level above what I think anyone was expecting, but especially Richie. When you're used to the beef where you just show up and people are fighting outside and there's people selling drugs outside and you're just barely scraping by. It's a survival mode rather than a, a, you know, it's, it's almost like. They are they are in survival mode while there's a feast happening at this mm-hmm. other restaurant and well where well the bounty is plentiful, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just sharing it. Whereas at the beef, they were just like, What can we how can we cut the budget? You know, how can we save a little bit of money? How can we get the food out faster? It was very it was a very different vibe. And I think right. that he finally got what Carmi and Sid are going for with the bear. The a couple of things come to mind. Um one is that exceptional level of service. I don't think Richie would have been turned on as much by just, um, okay, we're going to move food from the back to the front and right. uh, we're just going to conduct the the waiters and uh, the wait staff and, and that's going to be it. I think it really took him seeing that exceptional level of service where we're going we're gonna to make a human connection with you. Yeah. We're going to blow your mind in some way uh, that, uh, and and they can't do that. As you said, you can't do that for every customer all the time in every circumstance. Right. Um, but I don't think if that was present, then I don't think Richie would have, I don't think it would have flipped Richie's switch in the same way. So the same thing happened with uh, uh, Chef Marcus and, and Chef Luca, where these two characters make a bond together 
And part of what they bond over is their personal stories. How did you get here? How did you end up here? Why, why is this something you want to do? Yeah. And for a cousin, for Richie, he encounters another server who is broken in some way, not dissimilar to his own brokenness. You're talking about Garrett? Yeah. Um, the, and that through service, through, how do we say, you know, sub, sublimating, sub, sub, you know, putting yourself, putting your own ego aside or using your ego to do something like run down the, the block to get a deep dish pizza and then sprint back with it. Right. That's ego strength, right? That's, but, but you're doing that in service of somebody else where you are putting somebody else above you. In right. that way, um, to find wholeness, to find peace, fulfillment, all of those things which Richie you know, wants and needs, he sees it in another server who was yeah. dealing with his own addiction problems. And when he got clean and sober, he figured out, oh, you know, if I make my point of view, other people's points of view, I find something. The Lorehounds podcast is sponsored by Clean. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just making a joke, but yeah, whew, I'm all hot and teary over here. <laughs> yeah. I and it's mean, hot it, today too. It's like a humid day and my office is. is like hot. It is. So I'm like, ah, I hear so, you. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like that was a such episode. a beautiful moment when yeah. when he looks over at him and sees Garrett saying, yeah, man, I was a mess. I got clean and I figured something out and I discovered something. And I think, yeah, those two moments uh, of of the teachers and then that are, well, <laughs> then we have the third moment with uh, Olivia Coleman as well. Yeah. Who's that, that always watching. Too. Why don't we... Why don't yeah. we, I mean, I mentioned this on our Secret Invasion podcast. You know, she's in that show too. If you really liked her in this show, you might like her in that show. I, she has a lot more screen time. Yeah. Uh, what a what a lovely character. Very at peace. Very. Um, I like the way she says it. Like, yeah, I could get Astage to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I just like having something relaxing to do in the morning. That just sort of lets me put my mark on this food because she's yeah. not going to be able to touch every dish, right? But she can at no. least make some people know that Chef Terry really cared about giving them a beautiful meal. And that she is a whole person too. She was, you know, broken and down and yeah. at her end in some ways. And then she never forgets that. Yeah. And she has this moment. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to cry again. <laughs> this moment with Richie, when she says to him, yeah, Carmi loves you and believes in you. Yeah. And, and he's right. You are good with people, right? And yeah. that, it almost like, you know, we, we talk about, you know, you and I are parents of young children. The way that you describe your child mm -hmm. has an impact on how your child behaves totally, and how your child totally. turns out. Yeah. Richie being told he's an asshole all the time at the beef only yep. makes him more of an asshole. But right. Richie being told by Chef Terry, a world-renowned chef, you're good with people, that makes him want to be good with people. That makes Boom. him want to live up to what Chef Terry is saying. Yeah. And even if it's not conscious, it's psychological. It really helps him 
tell a better story about himself yeah. and and decide he is the kind of guy who wears suits now. He's yeah. the kind of guy who who serves now. Rather he than, can be the kind of guy. He can be the kind of guy who can um, buy tickets for Taylor Swift and do the things right. with his daughter that he wants to do, and, and not a, carry all that funny guilt. Scene. <laughs> what a funny so scene great. of him just blasting Taylor Swift, singing "Marry Me, Juliet." Yeah, and uh, and the the really cool sparks from the car. That was a, a great shot. Yeah. Um, at the moment of the Mary Me Juliet shot. Have you seen all the TikToks of all the all the women synchronously getting ga- engaged at the Taylor Swift concerts? No. To that song? Because <laughs> the line is Marry Me Juliet. And right. So okay. So everyone, you just see they, people take TikToks and you can see the stadium and like half the men are on one knee. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. You could probably <laughs> see him coming in too, right? You could, uh, yeah. you could see all of, oh, yeah. That guy's getting pros. That's pros. That yep. Pros. Yep. It's, uh, yeah. it's pretty funny. I took. I had to take TikTok off my phone because it's the micro entertainment. That the slot machine. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Endorphin rush is, was too much for my brain, so well, I had to get out of there. That's fine. That's fine. I'll update you on what the kids are talking. about. All right, sounds worry. good. Well, I think it's time to take a break so you can get some tissues. Yeah, seriously, I need to get some water and blow my nose. When we get back, we will finish up this episode. And we're back. All right, David, let's finish up the season on Friends and Family Night. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Well, we're going to anyway. On Friends and Family Night, the staff go into motion. Carmi is distracted by the presence of Claire and begins holding the kitchen up. After Carmi gets locked in a walk-in freezer, Sydney takes over the kitchen and Richie takes over calling out orders, getting the kitchen in a groove and the customers satisfied. In the walk-in, Carmi laments that he cannot balance the restaurant With his relationship with Claire, she hears through the door and leaves upset. Donna, who never RSVP'd to the event, shows up outside and tells Pete, Nat's husband, that she can't go in. Under duress, Pete tells her that it's okay and accidentally slips that Nat is pregnant. He returns inside distraught. Sydney finally gets the approval of her father, while Marcus misses repeated calls and texts from his mother's nurse. Then they get a gift from Chef Luca with the sign. Mm. every second counts that was exceptional that was a, a beautiful cap moment to uh, an extraordinary episode yeah right after a bunch of sad things yeah <laughs> do we, That's, I, it, we it wouldn't be the bear without that right like no, you have right. this triumph and then you have Oh, but that's really sad <laughs> so this is something again where you know uh, you know you know, just thoughts to our, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about the writers out on the strike line right now. And these are, this is what good writers do. AI cannot write this. AI uh, or, or, you know, studio executives with a point of view and then just trying to look at bottom line can't write this. Right. This is, uh, um, this grounds us in reality. It doesn't give us a storybook ending. Um, I kept waiting for, for Claire to like grab a hairpin and pop the lock and, you know, rescue her, you know, <laughs> her, her boyfriend and all of that. No, that's not going to happen. There's a, with every triumph we have in life, there's sometimes there are, are clouds to our silver linings. You know, there are, um, triumphs and failures in, at every turn. And 
this show is very rooted and grounded in in dealing with real human emotions and how we process them and how we move through these things and to do anything different than they did i think would have been uh a detriment to the show i, I think agree. it had to be a bittersweet uh ending um for this store this part of the story uh for, and and this part the way that they construct this i don't know what do you yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it would have been realistic for them to be like, and then Donna came and everyone was best friends. And she <laughs> said, Claire, I give you my blessing to marry my son. And right. Claire's like, yes, we will get married next month. And then Marcus, his mother, makes a miraculous recovery. Right. Exactly. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah. The text messages. I yeah. So about that's another messages. really sad oh. part. Boy, they had to slip that in the end. I mean, we knew something bad was going to happen. They said it too many times in yeah, the season. Yeah. I'm really worried about my mom. I, I have this nightmare that I'm just going to miss all the texts that she's going. And Boom. Well, he did. Yeah. He did. You work in a restaurant. You work in a crazy environment. You're going to miss And Marcus gets into these grooves where he forgets everything else. He gets hyper-focused. I remember in season one when he's working on the donut and uh, or on some of his pastries, and they're yelling at him, dude, like, we need bread, and you're not making bread. Uh, you're you're hyper-fixated yeah. on this thing, which I think makes him a great pastry chef yeah, because he's so concerned with those details, and he gets so involved into the intricacies of it. Yeah, Can we just – I'm sorry. I have to go back to Marcus in Copenhagen really quick. Go ahead. I was so terrified for him when he was rescuing that guy uh, that oh, yeah. ran his bike into the fence. Yes, we didn't even talk about that. I am so trained to uh, and and nervous for a black man, especially to be in another country, to be in some situation where he they're going to have to encounter the police or emergency services or you know he can't speak right. the language. What are the cops going to think? The music right. was ominous. It was very you know uh, the yeah. I didn't know sin. what they were doing with that. Honestly, no. I still don't know what they were doing with that. It was a very weird scene. So I was on edge and then to just have it, you know, I thought, you know, is the guy going to do something to him, accuse him of something? Right. And then right. just to have it end in this human moment, like, thanks, bro. Thanks for rescuing me. Yeah. Uh, I guess it I'm was good. just to show that he's a really kind hearted man. I, I don't know. It was it also was, inspiration. It was, a very was it out of place? Inspiration scene. for the dessert, too. Yeah. Because he has a human connection right. with somebody and that some, that, does something to his point of view, to his his thinking, uh, to be able to make that food, uh, that dessert, something inspired, not just another tasty treat, but something that really has a human, that's connected to a human emotion, that's connected to a human experience. And I think that's that elevated food concept, not just fancy food, but food that connects you to something, that makes you feel something. Right. Um, beyond just activating taste buds. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, th I think that's a good way to frame it. Cause I was a little puzzled by that scene Yeah, when I watched it, uh, because I, I agree with you. I felt the same anxiety. Like, is he going to get wrongfully accused of a crime here? Yeah. Um, yeah. which is, would also feel really out of place for the show, right? Like where yes, it would have is, <laughs> is this a crime drama now? I mean, even, even the Richie going to jail in season one, was was almost a little out of place it did work because mm -hmm. there was a character element to it but th this would have felt much more out of place i think yeah so i'm glad that they didn't do that i still am not fully convinced that of what they were doing with the scene but 
you know, it doesn't bother me because I actually, well, on a, I honestly, I forgot about it till you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> when we do our season two retrospective and, and do another podcast about it, well, yeah, we'll, okay, <laughs> <laughs> we have the time to do that, right? Uh huh, uh huh. Sure, we do. Yeah, uh, we'll just quit our jobs and, and podcast full time. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, someone's got to get me health insurance then. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Where where do we want to pick up for the more on this? There's so much in this episode too. I think six and ten ha- pack so much into them. Yes, they do. It's exceptional. Yeah. yeah, you know what was the deal with the? Uh, I forgot the name of the actor. He's on SNL. That he was the chef that they hired to come on this, this oh. uh, other chef. <laughs> what was the deal with that? Was that just comic relief? It didn't seem like it went anywhere except comic relief. Alex Moffat, f- that's his name. Yeah, I feel that. It it goes to not only you know who are you hiring and so when you're 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 trying to you know choose applicants and there's that whole thing and um, of you know you never know who you're gonna get uh-huh. um, and and then of course throwing in um, another complication for f- friends and family night it has to be it has to be a real world story that somebody you know, that got relayed to the writer's room that, that told about an opening night where there was one of the chefs who like disappeared outside to go smoke meth. Um, it it just (laughs) sounds too, too plausible to not have been a a real story. So, uh, who knows? I I mean, kitchens attract all kinds of characters, Yeah, all kinds of characters. When I, I didn't work in a kitchen, I worked front of house, but every time I went to the kitchen, it felt like I was walking through a portal into a different dimension where anything could pop up. It's really, it's like a fantastical land where anybody could pop up, good or bad. I have a a good buddy of mine who is a chef and and he had his uh, own restaurant for a while pre-pandemic and then he got taken out by that. Um, And we, you know, we've, we haven't caught up in a number of years, just our our lives, different, you know, different parts of the country and stuff. But I remember earlier when he was slugging his way through various kitchens and he would regale me of these stories of the guys that he would work with and it was wild some of the yep. stuff that goes yep. down in those kitchens is wild especially stuff for you know restaurants like chilies or olive garden or something like that where yes. you're just pumping out food and there is it's it's all about clocking in and clocking out and and then you know doing the grind yeah there are, there are all kinds of characters who end up as jobs yeah. i mean this isn't a kitchen but i worked at starbucks in a mall and uh-huh. i had to work a black friday and I have never had more fun working a shift because my coworkers <laughs> were all just like we were all on Zing. these like ten hour shifts, just like being crazy. Mm-hmm. Like like I remember there were like cookies mashed into the floor because there would be a stampede. There were like twenty of us working in this tiny thing. You're yelling jokes back and forth. The customers are glaring at you because they just want to shop. And uh, yeah, I mean it's just it's just a, an experience being yeah. in, the, in a in a food service team like that. That I I don't think can be replicated in another environment, right? It's, it's, not, it's, a, it's nothing quite as collaborative. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to compare it too much, but I think any stressful situation, firefighters, sure, or, yeah. you know, and it, yeah. or, or yeah. you know, some, some other high-intensity stress jobs, it's, it's anywhere where human beings are compressed and under right. a great amount of stress to produce results or to yeah. achieve results. It, I, I so. guess where I would make the distinction there is that uh, the firefighters are on a lot uh, under a lot more of real pressure because the worst thing that happens at Starbucks is you don't get your drink. Right. But, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, Soldiers. Uh, or, I think, yeah, I think we have like a little that. bit easier of a time joking around yeah. because we're not as scared of like you know, somebody dying. <laughs> right. Right. 
So, and, and that was an extraordinary thing to see this crew come together in this moment, as they, as Richie said, or not Richie, as uh, Carmen says, it, you know, friends of him and it's designed to find the mistakes. It's designed to find the flaws yeah. in the system. And so that we can learn and become better out of it. And boy, talk about learning some major lessons in this episode about what they need to do and, you know, to see Richie step up and to, you know, lose a lineman off the chef and to lose their, you know, star player, their, their yeah. main guy to uh, his own self-sabotage. Because he but can't even keep the amazing? name of the ref- refrigerator repairman, you know, straight in his own head. Yeah. But do you know what's amazing is that the restaurant worked a lot better without Carmi. It did. It really did. And that's really sad because this yeah. was what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But really... I mean, honestly, if I were going to pick a role from him in this place, I would pick like almost a producer credit, like come in, taste Sid's food, give her some pointers on how to improve it or or tell her it's perfect and go home because you are kind of an obstacle in this kitchen, man. Right. And and I think, isn't that, I don't know the proper titles, you know, there's chef de cuisine, there's executive chefs, there's sous chefs, uh, there's all this stuff, whatever. He, there yeah, is no a role... Idea. There is a role of chef where you're not on the line doing day to day stuff. Yeah, Maybe you like come in, give some just yeah, like Olivia Coleman's character. Recipes. Yeah, yeah, like Olivia yeah. Coleman's character. She's probably you know she's not there in in in, in sec- well, except chef in certain circumstances. She know. does. <laughs> so you know that's that's really where Carmi should be. He should be floating above. I agree with you. He doesn't yeah. need to be uh, there. And and to see Richie's hustle uh, and him to really turn on uh, that was extraordinary. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was a real triumph of the show. And in, in some ways, I like that this, even though Carmi is our primary character, the show is not centered on him in some ways. And I, I right. really like to see that Sid and, and Richie have these really important uh, developments that they have to go through. And one note on Sid, if you are working in food service now, just know that the rule is if you throw up, you're not supposed to go back to work for at least 24 <laughs> hours because you could be spreading foodborne disease. Uh, unfortunately, I guess Sid didn't get the memo <laughs> because she just goes right back to the line and starts calling out orders again. Oh, boy. Um, we, yeah, we've hardly talked about Sydney. Um, this- I know, and it's a crime. So let's, yeah. let's talk about, first of all, why don't we talk about her food tasting day? Because mm-hmm. That was one of the most beautifully shot montages of this show. Oh, when she goes on her little food exploration? Yes. To all the and other how restaurants did she fit all that in her stomach, honestly? <laughs> hey, she walked a lot. She was burning calories. Hey, that's what people are that. saying online. Like, yeah. Have you ever gone walking around a city? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a hungry job. Uh, but, I mean, all the things that she ordered sounded so delicious. Mm-hmm. What do you think of her evolution overall? She came into, and, and this is more fresh in your mind than it is mine. She came in in season one following Carmi kind of on a hunch, like the best up and coming chef is popped up at a place called The Beef in Chicago and I'm in Chicago. So let me go knock on this dude's door yeah, and, yeah. and get myself in, plugged in somehow to the fact that she is the sous chef of this new restaurant, you know, and she is... Is she the sous chef or is she the chef? Chef de cuisine, sous chef? No, I think she oh, no, no, you're right. Tina's the, the sous chef. chef here. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Now. You're not, you're right. I am wrong. 
Apologies. Do not write in. Do not at me. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a restaurant expert. I don't know these proper titles. Um, yeah, to, to, to have her come up and so young and so uh, early in her career to be at this position and to be elevated in this way is really exceptional. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what to, I don't know where she goes from here. I don't know what happens with her at this point. Yeah. You know, I, I will say there's been a lot of character growth for her because she was extremely impatient in season one. And that was part of the, the yes. issue with her and Carmi, the, right. the way that she brought out the food to the reviewer that caused them to have this big rush because she was impatient to get her dish out when it needed more acid. And Carmi, Carmi, I think to her, and it almost felt to me, and they did a good job portraying this in season one, that Carmi was just saying it's not done just to say it's not done, just to teach mm -hmm. her a lesson of like, right. which, you know what, there's some value, value to that because that is how her first business failed. Like, maybe mm -hmm. you do have a little bit of patience and do spend a little more time on this. Um, but at the same time, she did jump the gun and she did go beyond the chain of command and bring her food out. And even though it happened to work out, it doesn't mean it works out next time. Right. right. And she did need to learn that lesson. Now, contrast that with this season where she could go hire a hotshot chef to be her Sue, but instead she chooses Tina, who mm. will require time in the oven to mm -hmm. become a quality Sue. And, they, and who she had a very contentious school. relationship yeah. with, right? Yeah. But they send her to culinary school. They and and it lights Tina up like just to totally. have that opportunity. You know, it's 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 like it's one thing to say because I think at first Tina was like, "Oh, this young hotshot chef trying to tell me what to do." I've been cooking for decades, and then once Sydney first of all impresses her with her food, and then says, "I think you can make food this good." Basically, mm -hmm. I think that's what sells Tina on it, and the way Tina Tina has a lovely smile, just lights up. Yeah, she's beautiful, and and just goes to culinary school and and relishes it, lives in it. Even goes out with culinary school friends. Uh, yeah, that was what a funny. contrast that was with cute. Abraham, <laughs> and yeah. to be of a different generation to yeah. to go out yeah. with those those guys. So yeah, and I then mean, to it, get Carmi's knife—that's another thing. Anyway, sorry, you're gonna say yeah. No, I was gonna say you know in college and 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 schooling, you ever you ever been in higher education and have that one person who's like older but they're really friendly and they're down to hang with you. I've, right. I've, I've been there. I've been there. Right. They they they're nice people usually. Right. Yeah, you got you've got to be. You got to have some humility to be able to walk into a situation like that when you've got all that experience uh under your right. belt, but then to come back and relearn. Um, right. But anyway, we got off the the topic of yeah. Sydney. Yeah. Um, well, Sydney did a lot of growing up is my point. She really learned right. a lot of patience with this. Um she did not learn patience with Carmi, but at the same time, it was pretty crappy of Carmi to keep bailing on her without even telling her. Totally. You know, because even, of new love, even yeah. if he couldn't even if he couldn't go, even if he's like, you know what, I, I really need a day to do personal things. Great. But send a text, man. Like she's at the right. restaurant waiting for you. That's not cool. Right. Not at all. That's and that gives her a lot of that anxiety of, right. uh, am I in or am I out? Is this a, a handshake or do we, do I actually have a steak in this restaurant? Right. And so then we get Which that. They need a contract. Let's be clear on that. <laughs> They absolutely do. I, I really, I, I, I set that aside in my mind after those issues <laughs> were brought up and I go, okay. Um, but it does, it really does set up a, a lovely moment when they're under the table and having that, um, 
that kind of intimacy and that kind of conversation and the communication that they set up with themselves with the uh, rubbing yeah. of the chest, right? Yeah, I, we didn't like, even talk about that. The the oh my gosh, there's so many. We'll, things we'll we talk, talk about, about it later, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm and, sorry. and we'll talk about I, it later. I, if I can't voice the words. At least my body can show you that it's not the end of the world here. It's, you know, there's yeah. love here. Um, and I'm so glad that they they didn't ship them, that they didn't create a, uh, a romantic relationship between Sydney People and still are. Tarmy. They have not been deterred. Uh, of course they are. <laughs> and they, they, they will everywhere and anywhere they can. Um, I hope they I do something just, like they did in Ted Lasso with Rebecca and Ted, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they, uh, they do the fake out. Yeah. Well, and I think that we got a little bit of that when they're at, I I think it's his apartment. Yeah, it is at his apartment where he has to take the jeans out of the the, the oven. Um, (laughs) And uh, uh, he says something about her, uh, about Claire Bear and, uh, or having a date or something like that. And she's a little bit crestfallen and she's a little bit hurt. And there's there's another moment too where where something comes up about that and she, you can see that she's hurt she's she was hopeful in some way and so they 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 steered at it which is a real thing you mean you might have a workplace crush that is very normal mm-hmm. um and to not go there i am also glad for is because i don't need every show to have every male female relationship end up being about their romance Right. It's not friends. It's right. not cheers. We don't need to go there. Real people can. Well, you know, sometimes you got to go where everybody knows your name. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, but in this case, we don't have to get married, right? We don't have to have right, a decades right. long romance, you know? Let let men and women be men and women. And, and yeah, you're going to skirt close to those things and then you're going to peel away. That is normal and realistic. And so yeah. I think it's also a, a place for. Sydney's growth because she has to realize that, you know, she looks up to this guy and she's followed him and she's tied her dreams to him, but he's not it. He's not it for you. He's, but here's the thing is like, he, he has strengths that she doesn't have. He it's does true. seem to have a little bit better of a palate. He does. Oh, I mean, in terms of a relationship, not yeah, in terms of business partners. I, yeah. To me, I didn't even pick up on any, any jealousy of Claire as a person, as a romantic partner. No. I picked on Cla- on jealousy of Claire as having Carmi's time and attention. Okay. Because right. I think what she wanted was, Carmi, you need to, you know, we got three months open in this place. For the next three months, you need to eat, sleep, and breathe, which that's fair, I think. If you are mm-hmm. opening the business, and you are on a time crunch, okay, maybe you don't start a full-blown relationship, or maybe you at least put the brakes on it for the three months it takes to open the restaurant. And you got to have that start. Right. You got to have that straight up conversation with that person and say, I I need to have my total of focus on this. We can hang, but know that I can't be spontaneous and I can't just pick up and go to the movies or, you know, do whatever. But the thing is, I think, I think Claire would have respected that. I think so. She went and through I med think school. That she is did just a, a residency. Communicator. Yeah, she yeah. she works in an ER. She, he just has to go right. be like, "This is we're going for a Michelin star. This means getting becoming a doctor, just like you did. You got to right. appreciate that." Right. So. Yeah, Carmi. A lot of this could be avoided if Carmi uh, could. Yeah, <laughs> send talk. a text message every now and then. <laughs> right. You know, hey, I'm busy. Talk to you later. Well. Did he have any reception in the uh, in the walk-in? <laughs> uh, well, he, he had did, he? reception to the outside 
were like people, <laughs> right? Uh, which who did eventually respond? <laughs> they did we got to talk about the, the freezer scene here a little bit too. I mean, that yeah. is such a, a pivotal moment, not only just for the life of the restaurant and having him out of the mix so that all these other stars could shine, uh-huh. but to really go, it really does. It's a brilliant device. Obviously, I don't think in real world there's ever a way that that happens. They're designed. There's a push thing and then inside there's a way to open the uh-huh. latch on the outside but, wait, there's but it's safeties. tv so it's, it's okay. tv so it's perfect it's fine and it's yeah. a it's a dive of a restaurant that's had yeah. lots of yeah problems. i'm sure that there is a restaurant in the world that is a an something this is happening freezer yeah yes i mean this 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 physical building had its own set of issues that they had to yeah. deal with so yeah um but for for carmy to be in this cold loveless place while everything that he does love and desire and wants for him is on the other side and he's trapped uh, and he's trapped because of his own inability to, you know, deal with uh, the things that he needs to deal with that are, are right in front of him. I, I don't yeah. even know why he's dealing with the walking cooler. That was somebody else's job, but whatever. Well, that's another point is he can't delegate. He's very bad right. at it. Yeah. Um, whereas Sydney and Richie actually did a really good job of it. That's what I'm saying is I, I really think that Carby needs to just let go a little bit, take a step back from yeah. this restaurant, have yeah. the relationship with Claire, come in once a day for two hours, <laughs> taste the dishes, give Sid some pointers, and leave. Show right? up when there's a VIP guests on the reservation right. card and yeah, right. that kind of stuff. Just just be, be the owner. That's okay, right. Carmi. You can let go a little bit. You and Cicero can go out and and raise funds for the restaurant. Just don't, don't do whatever you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. So for for this is a device I thought was brilliant, and it it, it again it goes to a comical place where this show uh-huh. has a foot uh, in you know the ceiling falling down, the wall falling down, you know these a car driving through a wall, all of these really raucous and audacious comedy moments. So it's I think it's well within the DNA of the show to have Carmi trapped in the in the cooler, but it's yeah. also the cooler where they found the money. Um, yep. You know in yeah. the in the tomato jars there was all, all other issues around the cooler. And then for me, just the whole uh, visual language of the wall between Carmi and everyone else through all of these people who love him and want him to be in their lives, you know, the <laughs> the drama between him and Richie and Richie's upset, you know, yep. you know swearing at him. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, the Claire Bear thing. It was a really, really inspired and brilliant uh, device to tell us about Richie and what he's going through and the struggle that he has to deal with and about human relationships and about communication and all of these things. It was just a, a expertly done um, scene uh, or, you know, long, I mean, if we took all of it together um, and I, I just, I am, I'm blown away at the vision to be able to uh, understand that, how do we move these characters forward? How do we create more drama and conflict? We lock Carmi in a refrigerator <laughs> for the most important, you know, night of his life. Yep. Yep. Well, what a lovely season of TV, David. I enjoyed it oh, thoroughly. I did too. We didn't even get to the whole Coach K of it all. Oh, well, well again, it's we're going to have to. 
<laughs> write to us on Discord if you want to talk about Coach K. Ooh, yeah, we've got a channel set up special for um, uh, the Bear. Uh, so drop in on there if you want to talk. I know for some of our uh, listeners, um, the Bear isn't even available in other right, countries. In it's not, especially, yeah. I think. Yeah. So that'll still be there. We'll still be talking about this for sure long after. Um, yep. and yeah, I really need to get a rewatching of this before, um, before the end of the year. Yeah. All right. Well, very cool. I think it's time for our outro. David, talk to me about our patrons. Okay. We have a Patreon. The best way to support this podcast and all the creators that are involved in, in all the different shows that we're doing is through the patron. There are real and actual costs involved in, in podcasting and our patrons are really our, uh, cornerstone of, of how we are able to do that. And so for our lore masters who are uh, top tier subscribers, and they are Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter O H, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Joyce E, and Andra B. Thank you all so very much. You um, uh, have an incredible impact on the ability for John and I to produce this content, as well as all of our contributors and co-hosts. As a thank you to you and to all of our Lore Masters and Lore Fiend members, we're going to be sending you all a very special thank you gift at the end of July. Um, this is to not only to say thank you for all your support for our year of podcasting, but for everyone who's coming on board and hopefully um, breaking us through that 100 subscriber barrier to say kind of a, an enticement as well. But as John mentioned earlier, it's our, our original Lorehounds logo with the lion and the uh, rabbit. And it's got a really great inscription uh, in Elvish and Tengwar and the Tengwar script written by actual Tolkien linguists. Uh, a whole bunch of them came together and figured out the right way to say it in the right, uh, using the right alphabet. And then it was digitally... One might even say they mooted. They mooted to, to give <laughs> us this. They, um, it was hand-drawn digitally. So it was an, it's, it's not actually like pressing an A key and a D key or whatever. Somebody actually hand-drew this in the computer. Um, and so it's going to be very cool. We're going to send that out at the end of the month. Um, uh, no matter where we are in our, in our subscriber drive. Um, we've got some more subs benefits coming up. We're going to turn on annual membership. John, I think we can announce it. We should just go ahead. We're going to do the Shire side chats. Is that uh, Shire side chats? Say that 10 times fast. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Uh, I got bored the other day and I opened up the letters of J.R. Tolkien and said, I want to talk about this. So I recorded a short episode on the first letter and I'm going to, from time to time, release an episode five to 10 minutes of me just talking about the background behind the letter, its role in Tolkien's literary career and where the different references show up. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a little bit more produced. There's a little bit more music background stuff going on. Very uh, cool. And it's, it's just going to be a short, short and sweet thing exclusively for patrons. Nice. Uh, we've got live watch events that are exclusive to, to patrons and a, and a few other things. So again, thank you everyone. Uh, July 11th is our one year podcasting anniversary. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like it's been a year. It feels like it's been 10 years. Um, but it's been a blast. So, and it's all because of, uh, folks on the Patreon who have been able to, uh, keep us moving forward. 
That said, John, we have a busy July schedule. Do you want to hit us through some of our, our major points coming up? I would love to. Yeah. So Alicia just finished her coverage of season one of Silo on Amazing. a feed, Wool Shift Dust. I just finished the first book because she did a great job bringing in <laughs> references to the books. Uh-huh. And uh, it sort of made me go, I need to read this thing. Nice. So uh, I think she has plans to continue on some book coverage after this season. So that should be yeah. very exciting. I think there's uh, going to be a, a book club thing going. She's going to be running the books full on. Right. And I right. think she's got some interviews, at least an interview lined up with somebody you may want to listen to. So yeah. she's locking those details down. We don't want to. We don't want, we just want to tease it. We can't, we can't confirm it, but um, stay tuned for her podcast. We just need the tweezers for the herbs. We don't want to yes. just douse it in time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so definitely check out her feed link in the show notes for that. Another show that you might notice in our show notes is Properly Howard, which is Anthony Maester Anthony's new podcast where he and Steve, a, uh, a theologian and a comedian, break down a bunch of their favorite films, sometimes very random films, and they determine whether it is better, worse, or about the same as the average Ron Howard film. (laughs) And that is such an interesting premise. And they've brought it with their first movie, Howard the Duck, they've covered. So you can check that out on their feed now. Definitely subscribe over there. Leave them a rating and review. Really helps them as a new podcast come up in the rankings, find new listeners. So that first episode uh, was was hilarious. I was yes, busting it was. Got, Steve was on fire through that whole thing. Yes. Steve's a stand-up comedian, so he was really laying it down. Um, and we're going to be going on their podcast um, a little bit later. We're recording very soon, though. We're going to the we're going to record a uh, episode about the Dune movie that came yeah. out uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, should be fun. Uh, we also are currently covering, I say we, although I barely showed up to it, but you and Jean and Alicia are covering Secret Invasion every week. I've showed up a couple times now on the podcast. You invaded the scroll. podcast. <laughs> I invaded the podcast last episode. So uh, that was that was pretty fun. The show's going pretty well. I'm not a yeah. big MCU guy and I'm enjoying the show. So if you're on the fence, well, give it a shot. Uh, and uh, the coverage is even better than the show. So definitely check that out. Um, we do have some other things going on soon. I think we're going to be covering some movies this month. Looks like yeah, uh, new, new addition to our lineup. We're actually going to do some movies on in, under our one shot banner. Where yeah. We just do a, these, uh, we just like this show these one, these standalone episodes. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to handle asteroid city, I guess Mace, maybe with Maester Anthony. Gonna, I'll, I'll be there too. I'm going to, we're going to, oh, you're going to be gonna, there. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm going to catch it this week. So, oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Then you will be there as well. Oppenheimer, yes. I have not seen, and I'm not sure I'm going to see it, but somebody's going to talk yet. about that. End of the month. Oh, right. It's not yeah. out yet. But uh, that, oh, yeah, that's Boppenheimer Day. Have you heard about all this? <laughs> yes, the Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah. The, Boppenheimer. The I would cover Barbie. Okay. I think Barbie, maybe maybe I'll, I'll do Barbie with somebody. Well, that would be fun to do a podcast where we do a Boppenheimer uh, episode. That would be fun. <laughs> we that get the Oppenheimer fun. people and the Barbie people, and then we get them together. We just go at it. We just have happens. a battle of the of Exactly. The so, All yeah, right. I think that's one of the fun things, too, about the Lorehounds uh, or uh, the one-shot concept is that we can call on any of our co-hosts or, or uh, contributors. We can sort of come together. We can uh, Avengers Assemble style and cover something. So um, I'm putting it out there that we want to cover Oppenheimer. It's supposed to be... S- it's Christopher Nolan. It should be, you know, it's supposed to be pretty okay. cool. So. All right. Well, uh, I'll cover Barbie. You cover Oppenheimer. And we'll just like talk it. about different movies in the same podcast. <laughs> Last thing to mention, we're going to be covering Foundation later this month. 
So uh, check out that on our feed. Uh, we'll be doing week to week coverage, full detail, scene by scene breakdown. So it's been a while since we did a show like that. It's weird yeah. to go back to it. It does. But it totally I am excited weird. to do it because uh, when we did it with Ted Lasso, I was like, oh, it's actually really fun to talk about a show like this. So, right. Um, yeah. Foundation is rich. It's got a lot of detail to it. So, yeah, I'm still catching up on season one, but so far it's okay. And yeah. I'm hoping yeah. the season two is better. <laughs> Lee Pace is amazing. Uh, his, yes, he that, is. The whole emperor yes, thing is. that is so. The Ronduil. Yes. So, uh, um, yeah, that's going to be very cool. Don't forget, we've got um, a, the Ahsoka prep coming up. I think that's yeah. kind of important. We got plenty of stuff coming, guys. If, you, yeah. if, you're, if you're a lore, lore hound fiend master, whatever you want to call yourself, <laughs> you, uh, you got a lot to look forward to. So I just posted on um, the Community Updates channel on the Discord our schedule for the month of July. We sent it out by uh, Patreons. Get an email to uh, in advance of all of our stuff um, coming. So we've got the full schedule up if you want to take a look. And we still got Book Nook and Silmarillion stories. All right. Well, I'm excited to get to more coverage with you now that you're back from vacation and we're back on the grind. And uh, I guess I'll see you on the next episode, David. Thanks, John. Uh, yeah, it was great. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to season three of The Bear. There's no question. Well, thanks everyone for listening. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.